Hello, I am Donna Freeman, the founder of Yoga in My School, and this is the Yoga in My School podcast. I appreciate you coming and having a listen. Thank you for your likes, your shares, your comments, and your ratings. It truly is a blessing as it helps others to find us. The purpose of the Yoga in My School podcast is to empower you to share yoga and mindfulness with youth. Through the archives and this episode in particular, I know that you will receive inspiration, knowledge, and tools to help you do so. We also are big fans of building community, and we love finding people who are doing amazing things in the kids' yoga community worldwide. So if you know of someone, or maybe you are someone, who are doing something incredible and you'd like to share it, feel free to reach out. You can email me, Donna, at yogainmyschool.com with ideas for upcoming episodes. Appreciate you listening. Have a wonderful day, and enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Yoga in My School podcast. My name is Donna Freeman. I am the founder of Yoga in My School and the host of this podcast. And we've been going strong now for 10 years. Actually, hang on, 2009, that's 11 years. Ah! 11 years I've been doing interviews about kids yoga, youth yoga, yoga in general, mindfulness, movement, all that kind of gloriousness. And I am delighted that you have joined us to listen in today. Thank you so much. So we are excited about 2021. There are lots of amazing things happening in the kids yoga world. And uh, it's really great to be a part of it. It's uh, amazing to see the growth that has happened, uh, even amidst COVID and how people are um, experiencing resiliency and creativity and uh, nourishing themselves and their families and their students in new and innovative ways. And I really like that that we've kind of been pushed a little bit more into the creativity and as kids yoga um, professionals we i thrive on creativity um it's it's one of the uh, hallmarks of a really good kids yoga teacher is is um, adapting and you know adapting to circumstances as they occur because you know Kids are kids and they're going to do fun things. But I'm excited today to uh, introduce to you a new friend of mine, Laura McKeegan. She is the founder of Divine Light Yoga and she has been in the kids yoga space for over a decade now, running teachings. Um, Her expertise is incredible and her depth and breadth of knowledge is really extensive. I highly recommend after you listen to this interview that you go check out her YouTube channel and everything that she has to offer there. Um, But we're going to be talking about tips for teaching kids yoga online. I know (laughs) many people are into this world now of teaching online and some people have got it down. It's like, yeah, I've got a rhythm. And other people are like, how do I do this? Or you're running out of ideas, right? You've, You've used up your five games that work online and you're going, now what? (laughs) what's next how do I keep them engaged so Laura is going to share with us all kinds of tips and techniques for doing that welcome Laura hello thank you for such a great introduction it's very beautiful (laughs) it's a pleasure so tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how you came to be running and uh, running RCYT trainings and being the founder of Divine Light Yoga Uh, Well, probably like many of your listeners, I was a school teacher. That's how I started out. 
So I was working in international schools in Hong Kong, spent a little bit of time in Dubai working in schools and working with within early years and special needs was my specialism and found yoga and meditation to be it was actually quite separate for me at first. I kind of didn't make the connection. Yoga and meditation was what made me a better teacher, <laughs> kept me calm during those observations and those stressful times um, that we all experience for those working schools. And um, the more I started to delve into yoga, mindfulness, meditation, the something clicked I don't know what it was, I thought, ah, I should really bring this into my classroom. And so I started to get creative in the different ways in which I could introduce it to the younger children. And then it was really just a, quite an easy transition into full-time yoga teaching. You know, after I did my training, and did my kids' yoga teacher trainings, and then I transitioned into the world of full-time yoga teacher when I was in Hong Kong. So I was working with international schools, local schools, community centers, really just getting as much experience across all the ages from the tiny little tots all the way up to, you know, teaching um, this school teachers, teaching the admin staff, really just like any experience um, possible. Anyone who was willing and open to try yoga and meditation, I was willing and open to teach them. And... At a certain point, um, I left Hong Kong and I, I went over to Thailand and I started volunteering for a few months, working with a special needs school, teaching yoga and raising money for, um, for the school through yoga retreats. And I really had this big dream of, oh, one day, maybe in 10 or 15 years time when I've got the confidence and really got the knowledge and all the certificates, uh, I want to lead my own teacher trainings because teaching kids, you know, day to day in the classrooms, I can maybe reach a couple of hundred children a year, but training other teachers, training parents, training other kids, yoga teachers, it's like, wow, I can literally help thousands and, you know, reach thousands and thousands of children globally by going into the trainings and by supporting other teachers, parents, professionals into, for them to integrate yoga and meditation into um, their communities. And so that's how I moved into um, the Yoga Alliance Teacher Trainings. I kind of just bit the bullet and thought, you know what, I'm not gonna wait 10 or 15 years. I'm just gonna do it right now because I actually do have the knowledge and the experience and the confidence I'm sure will come and it, it did of course. Fabulous. Yeah, your story sounds very familiar to my own, right? You just, it's, it's a little bit organic and it's a little bit of a push. And um, yeah, mine came because I, I wrote mine. I did mine backwards. I wrote a book first. <laughs> so I, that's oh. how I started. And then a good friend of mine said, you know, you just wrote a manual, right? I was like, oh, I guess I did. I should start running trainings <laughs> and use the manual that I just wrote. And so... I spent a lot of my my time writing curriculum so, <laughs> and then sharing that curriculum. But that's awesome. Thank you very much. And um, so we're going to talk a little bit about how, you know, now many of us are kids yoga teachers. We love teaching kids yoga. We love that interaction and the creativity and, you know, the spontane spontaneity of children and youth. But now we've got a screen 
and they're not with us in person. How do we navigate this new reality and what are some tips that you have for uh, us? Uh, so many tips. <laughs> so I think that the biggest challenge that I see with kids yoga teachers taking their classes online is that they are finding it difficult to gain the confidence to do it. So some definitely want to do it. Some perhaps have been thinking about this pre-COVID because it does allow us to reach more children. We can reach different communities that we wouldn't be able to do in person. Um, and obviously some of your listeners are kids yoga teachers and they're being pushed into teaching online. Perhaps they don't agree with the amount of screen time. I, I think we're all kind of there with, you know, all of us are having a bit too much screen time. But um, the confidence is something that I think it needs to be like a mindset shift. So rather than thinking about, you know, teaching online is not about you being in front of the camera. It is about you going into the children's homes or into the children's schools in a time in which we can't actually have contact. So I think firstly, switching your perspective from, oh, the camera's on me, it's all about me. It's, I'm in front of the camera, oh my gosh, I don't wanna press the live button. It's not about you, it's about the kids. And it always is and always has been. You know, We all went into teaching children's yoga for the children. We didn't do it because, yeah, we knew it would probably be a fun and creative and enjoyable experience, but there's also a lot of challenges as well with teaching children. So um, yeah, we went into it to support the children. And so that is what teaching online is about. So kind of overcoming that fear of technology, fear of not having enough confidence, fear of not being able to engage them or will they like you? Will, they, will the parents like you? Um, and just thinking about supporting the children in the best possible way that we can right now. Um, so I think that's my number one tip, really. I love that. I love um, how you're like, it's all about the kids. It always has been about the kids. It always will be about the kids. So get over yourself. It's going to be okay. And just relax into it and teach kids. Yeah. And just do it because honestly, the first time you do it, I mean, you know, Donna, you know, you sit there for 25 minutes with your finger hovering over the like record button, like, oh, I can't do it. I'm not ready. And then you do it. And it's like, oh, that wasn't really that bad. And actually the first video you do, you get like five people watching it. It's like, oh, okay, that's, that's fine. <laughs> so it's manageable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and yes, you know, there's this technology learning curve that we all undergo as we try something new or even get into a new platform, right? Like my preferred platform is Zoom, but a lot of schools uh, are on Google Meet. And so I'm always, oh, it's a Google Meet. Oh my goodness, <laughs> like, right? But it's like, it's okay. We're gonna figure this out. We're gonna make this happen. It's like, yeah. And so know that that is very natural, I think for everyone to be uncomfortable with new technology and, and move into the uncomfortable, it's okay. That's part of the yoga practice. That is yoga in your life, is being uncomfortable, being okay with that, accept it, how are we gonna move forward? Whether you're talking about yoga poses or whether you're talking about integrating more technology into your life, it's, it really is all part of the, the yoga practice. Um, yeah, definitely. 
Fabulous. Okay, so what's another tip for us? Yeah, I was going to say with regards to the technology side, um, I mean, the kids are definitely more in touch with it. I think they are, you know, it's part of their day-to-day life. It has been for a long time, but definitely now with everything, school, after school, clubs, everything being online for them. Um, So I am really all about ease. Make your life as easy as possible for you as the teacher, for the children, for the parents or the school that you're working with. So I would say keep the technology simple. Um, I just use Zoom like you and then I store everything on Teachable because it is simple <laughs> for everybody who uses it, you know, for my, for my students, for anyone who's accessing it. Um, so yeah, I think keep, keep it simple and then YouTube is your friend. If you are not sure how to work something, if you go on YouTube, there will be a million tutorials that will easily teach you how to work it. I do this all the time. And when my trainees are like, can you just go through how to set this up? I'm like, honestly, I, I could do that, but it would take me 20 minutes. But if you go onto YouTube and just type in, how do I do, how do I set up my Zoom account? one minute tutorial, quick and easy, and then you've, you've, you've done it and you've got the knowledge there. Yeah, I love YouTube. I use it all. I was just using it before our interview today. It's like, how do I do this when I'm editing video? <laughs> it's like, oh, thank you for the three minute tutorial on how to do that. So handy. Thank you for being, having, you know, leverage other people's expertise. Absolutely. If, if you're great at, you know, yoga and mindfulness and interacting with children, be great at that and leverage other people's expertise into your own life, whether that's bookkeeping or learning how to use technology, whatever it is that, you know, other people will be better at things than you are. So lean into it. Yes. <laughs> All right. So you're, you know, you figured out your technology, you're offering something. People actually showed up to class. Woo-hoo! And, um, now you got to like plan a class <laughs> and it's online <laughs> and you know, like you, every, everything you ever used was interactive. Like you trusted that the kids were going to be there to do stuff like your Hoberman sphere and like this one, right? It's like inhale and exhale. It still works online, right? It's a magic thing. <laughs> so what, what do you do when you're like for tips for planning an online class and for engaging kids right from the get-go in your class? So, yeah, I would say resources. Um, the props, I mean, props, again, are something that I encourage teachers to use, whether it be in person or online. The children don't need the props, as you said, like it is an engagement tool. Here is something cool. Here is something interesting. You can definitely, um, you can definitely encourage the children, you know, if you're doing a breathing technique, for example, and usually you would give out your kindness stones or something to put on their belly. Um, you can encourage the children to go and find something similar, but I think you've really got to bear in mind that there's, different things going on in different uh, children's homes. Some of them are not gonna have parents there who can scramble around and look for you know, resources for them. Some of them are not gonna have access to a garden so they can't just pop outside and, and get a stone or a flower to do their breathing with. So I would keep the props um, either super, super simple or just 
you are the one that are using it to engage um, the children. So to maintain their attention. And, and that is good enough, definitely. I think use the screen as an interactive tool. So use, um, especially now, you know, things are coming out so, so quickly with, um, instead of using a physical dice, you can have a dice on the screen. You know, if you're doing a game that involves, you know, roll the dice and then put that number of body parts on the floor and make a pose, for example. Um, use, use the interactive aspect, the share screen um, aspect. So really use your, use this, this piece of equipment that we have that to enhance your classes, you know, and to keep them engaged and really interested. So if you don't have, if you're not able to use it physically, if it's a game that the kids love, you know, can you, can you find that resource online or can you share that on the physical screen with them? So yeah, basically props. Um, and I think because we are having a lot of screen time, really trying to encourage the children to close their eyes or go into child's pose or, you know, not necessarily having all of the, all of their time actually with their eyes on the screen, um, you know, choosing postures and um, relaxation techniques, um, especially with teens as well, in which they can actually close their eyes or a posture where they can relax. Um, but not necessarily have to look at you on the screen as well. Um, what else would I say? Yeah, I think the games, you know, because I, I write a monthly lesson plan for my for a lot of my teachers because I have a membership. And I do have to think sometimes, I'm like, okay, what would I do in person? And now because we have people doing, like a lot of my teachers are doing in person, you know, who are in Australia and they can have contact and then in person, but social distancing and then some are teaching online. So I'm choosing games and activities and then have to adapt. Okay, how would I do this social distance? How would I do this online? And it is about getting creative with it. So you can take most games and adapt them for the online space. Um, obviously not things like partner yoga, but they could, you, you could use, you know, perhaps the breakout room feature um, so they can work together. So I think it's just really getting in tune with your own creativity. I know lesson planning can be a real stress for a lot of teachers, um, but try and look at it from a creative perspective. Um, maximizing the features that we have on, on the screen, um, giving the children opportunities to come away from the screen as much as possible, but still have your, you know, your voice or the activity to be engaging. Um, and, and really just experiment, like honestly, experiment, don't worry about it, try, get their feedback, try it out, it didn't work, what did you think about that everybody? Oh, it was boring because it would have been better in person. Yeah, you know what, you're right, we're not going to do that next time. <laughs> Yeah, I know um, one of your favorite tools, um, because I stalk you, <laughs> so I know one of your favorite tools is called like a magic yoga box, and it works yeah. equally well in person as online. Um, and I use the same technique in a lot of different classes, um, just so 
I'll explain the concept and then maybe you can kind of, so a container with stuff in it and yeah. they don't know what's in it and you're going to draw things out randomly and then do the yoga. Okay, so this is the idea. I have lots of adaptations of this, like an entire box full. Um, like I have a little purse with animals in it. I have a little bag with cards in it. Like I have a white mitten for the mitten class <laughs> with again, animals, like just dozens and dozens. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you use a magic yoga box or container and why it works so well? Yes, so it's something that I used to use in my early years classroom as an engagement technique. Um, sometimes if I'm in a space where I don't have a box, you know, I've worked in a lot of schools where there are zero resources or we're in the park and I just use my hands right? and it's just this. And it's so exciting. It's like, oh my gosh, what's in inside my hands or what's inside my container? And it gets them engaged. It keeps them interested. It's, you know, it draws in their natural curiosity. And then, yeah, you reveal whatever it is and you can do, you can use it in so many ways. So it could be that you have, um, one of my favorite things to do for meditation, especially for the, you know, under eight years and under is in the box or in my hands, I will have um, jewels or crystals or some special stones, gems. And then when they lie down with their eyes closed and they can keep their body as still as their body wants to be, you know, there might still be wiggles and movement. Then I'll place a magic stone on their head. And so that, and they love that. Um, it could be um, animals or something that's inside and they come and pick one out and then we do, we create a pose that is to represent that animal. It could be for the slightly older children in your mystery magic box, it could be a word, it could be a new word that you're trying to introduce to them, whether it be Sanskrit, like Ahimsa or Secha. It could be uh, the name of a person and they have to go and partner up with that person. It could be um, an affirmation, an act of kindness. So you can really put so many, I mean, I could do like a whole 95 hour training on what to do with your magic box, <laughs> to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find it is one of the most effective, especially for, like you say, um that elementary kids and especially the littles they love the 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 element of surprise the curiosity and it just brings them back again and again and again to what's in it what am i going to pull out and like um i find that the chat is often really good too um especially if you have objects that you're pulling out and it's like well what is this and you hold it up and they all have to you know figure out how to answer and tell you what it is and that kind of thing and um whoever you know you can you can keep track you can make it into a game of who can tell me fastest what it is and you know and then there's yeah. that little bit of competition and you're getting um, more and more um interaction with the kids when you when you have stuff that they have to comment on or um like can you tell us a little bit more maybe how to use and leverage a, the chat function so we're, you know, we're now into kids. Yeah, I like to. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the thing. If you're using features like chat, you want to make sure that they can use the keyboard effectively and write fluently because this is not about teaching them, you know, how to, to read and write. It becomes stressful for them. Uh, yeah, I really like to use it as, so I will do um, like put a presentation, presentation sounds so formal, but share my screen with, um, for example, questions on there. So it might be related, well, it would be related to my theme. So for example, if my theme was moon salutations, it might be questions about the moon. So how many, you know, choose one child to choose a question, you know, how many phases are in the moon? Does the moon have? Um, and then they have to type in the chat box their guesses, what they think, uh, the answers, and then I reveal it. And it's like, this is the answer and this is our related pose that we're gonna do. So it's interactive, it's playful competition. Uh, you're using the features and obviously doing some physical postures as well as teaching them something about whether it be the environment or something related to yoga, yoga philosophy or their body. And um, so I like to use it in that way. So yeah, definitely um, typing in answers to questions, typing in uh, how they're feeling. So it might be, again, I like to use a lot of metaphors versus just how you're feeling today because you're going to get a lot of okay or goods. So, you know, on a scale of one to five, how are you feeling? Or what color do you feel like today? And just get them to type it in so that they can still feel really acknowledged and valued and their opinions matter to you and the rest of the group. But you're not having, you know, 12 children playing about with the mute button and the on and off and it just takes a long time. So I think the chat function can work really well for quickly getting responses and to quickly really acknowledge the children and give them that opportunity to share their feelings, their ideas or their thoughts with you um, in a way that doesn't take up a lot of your, you know, your time. Because the other children get bored if they're, you know, waiting for one child to try and figure out how to press the on and off, <laughs> mute and unmute themselves. Yeah, fabulous. I, I love that. And I, I highly encourage people to do that. And also, I'm just going to ask you, what are what is your advice for the beginning of class? Right. So right, the beginning of class is this this interesting event kind of thing. It's like separate from the class, but you need to have focus and a plan for the beginning of class. Like so while you're waiting for everyone to join, well, you know, right? It might take five minutes from the first person to until your class is ready to actually begin. What are some tips for that <laughs> period of time? Yeah, I think, I mean, that's five minutes that you do want to maximize the time um, because I think as well, it's really important to remember that as, you know, we are here to teach the children and remember that it's not just about what can we do to that works online or what can we do to kind of entertain the children and maintain them. Because I think we can go into like survival mode a little bit like, oh, and remember, we're here to educate them in yoga and meditation. So really maximizing the time that you have with them. 
So for that first five minutes, yeah, it has to be something that the children can come in at any point and it's not distracting the rest of the children and they can instantly join in and they know what's going on. So it can't be a game. Um, it shouldn't be something quiet. Um, and ideally it's that five minutes where you're bringing the children together, getting them all to shake out their energy, you know, get rid of any overwhelm that they might be feeling, any excitement, and really get them all settled. So personally, I would suggest the first couple of minutes, like shaking, so literally shaking out the body, it could be dancing, um, or doing a breathing, a breathing technique that requires movement and release. So it could be like breath of joy, if you're familiar with that, it's just kind of like inhale, 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 uh, or wood chopper breath. So it's something that is easy to pick up so that when you, whether you've got one child or you've got all these children coming in at different points, it's easy for them to join in and they all instantly get on the same energy level. Um, and you're actually working with the nervous system directly to get them all to the same point. And then you can start to go into your real plan. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, I love that. I, I really love the idea of just doing a simple little activity that's easy to join in. It's just like, sure, come on in. Um, I know with teens, um, doing teen classes online, the number one thing that I do in that pre-class time is ask a general question that they would then throw into the chat. So, you know, something about, you know, maybe current events or, you know, how's school going? Or does anybody have a test tomorrow? Or like, just like, you know, or what's your favorite, you know, soda pop? Like I just, just a general kind of get to know you question. Where are we at checking in? And because it helps for me, it helps to get them to start interacting. Yeah. Right. And they, especially teens might be a little hesitant to dive into a real physical activity right away. They're like, I don't want to be the only yeah. one doing this. Like, I'm like, ah, hang on on that one. Um, so it's a, for, you know, you might do something really physical with the younger ones because they're cooped up at home and they haven't had a lot of physicality. Whereas the older kids, it's that ease in, we're going to be a group now. We're going to get to know one another. This is a safe place. So you know, a little bit different approach, I think, depending on your group and their age. Yeah, I completely agree. Same with in-person, isn't it? I mean, teen yoga, you've, you've got to, as you say, ease them into it and create that connection um, and try and connect with them and come into their world and be like, what's really going on with you? What do you think about this? And that's how you are maximizing that first five minutes with your teens because you're getting to know them and you're creating comfort within and you're creating community especially if you've got a different group every week um and that's so important because those first five minutes will be the decider of how open and connected are they going to be for the rest of the 60 minutes with them so yeah definitely different different approach to the different ages fantastic all right so you did a beautiful segue there so thank you very much how long should our online classes be um, I would say it depends on the age group. I think. <laughs> so I think the actual, the, the ideal, the ideal amount of time for younger children, uh, I would say like the, the three, 
to let's say six years and under, I think is 20 to 30 minutes. Um, I would say like for the, for the in-person classes, it usually you have to go to 45 minutes because by the time the parents have put on the children's shoes, got them out the door, put them in the car, they're not going to come anywhere for 20 or 30 minutes. So that's actually a beautiful thing with the online world is that we can do 20 minute section sec, like classes with those three to four year olds where we can do a lot with them and they get what they need from it and they're completely engaged for those 20 minutes. Um, maybe stretch it to 30 if you can. And then going up for this kind of six to 10 years, I would say something like 45 to 60 minutes if you can. And then teens, yeah, six, again, 45 minutes, but 60 minutes, you can get a lot more. You get the movement, you get that long relaxation, that meditation if you can. And I always encourage my trainees to do workshops with teens and try and get a 90 minute session with them where you can really go in depth with group discussion, with a little bit of yoga philosophy, movement, whether they're really getting the time to experiment in the postures and then doing a really beautiful relaxation. So if you can do some sort of like 90 minute workshop with teens, it, it works really well. Yeah, I love so They're it. just my suggestions. At the yes. end of the day, if all you can spare is five minutes, that is more than beneficial, yeah. Right, yeah. And so, you know, for people, like experiment with the times experiment with what you're offering you know maybe you're doing something specific for a holiday and it's going to be a little bit longer um i find um like your times are, are are beautiful and then there's the one group that um the family yoga classes right um that you know an hour is lovely for a family yoga class because then it gives them enough time it Right, it takes a little bit more time with those varying age groups to to do everything that you kind of want to do. So all good yeah. stuff. All good stuff. All right. Um, what about? So this is kind of an interesting one because once we get online, sometimes it's difficult music. Okay, so the use of music yeah. in your online classes, what have you found works, what doesn't work? Uh, what doesn't work, I think, is playing it on a speaker because it just, it's like background noise that prevents the kids from hearing you properly. Um, what I like to use, and I, kind of stole this from one of my teacher trainees actually I did a class with her and she made a Spotify list and then put it in the chat box and people could choose whether they wanted to play it or not and they can choose the volume that they want at. so I think definitely for those children and teenagers who are responsible and able to decide um, what works for them uh, I think that was a really great way to do it it was easy and um yeah it just it just worked really well and for the younger children I tend to just sing to them so for the seven years and under I just sing with them I think it brings everybody together I think it's really nice for them to hear each other's voices if you've got them unmuted and I think that the younger children actually respond better to the actual voice of the teacher versus the the music um, in the background. 
So I would suggest those. Um, I think you can play. I mean, I have done it where I've played the music through my laptop, but then I just, it, it becomes, if your internet is not super stable, it can become a bit in and out. And um, yeah, I think, or just no music at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always find um, that if you're competing, it's the competition. If you're going to have music playing and you're speaking, that doesn't work. It's either music or speaking. You got to choose what you're going to do and then decide how you want to provide the music. Like, um, so sometimes in Shavasana, I want some music to play. And so then I will actually put, turn on my speaker, but then I'm not talking. Yeah. Right. So that the music can can be broadcast, but if I'm going to talk, then the music is turned off so that there's not that competition of what should I be listening to? What does the mic, what is it filtering out and how is it being delivered? And I don't wanna have any confusion there. So that's how I kind of, it's like one thing. <laughs> Keep it simple, people. Yeah. I actually, I think during Shavasana, it is really nice and you can play that in your speaker or through your laptop. And I think that works well because it does block out any, um, for the kids, it blocks out any external sounds that might be going on at home. So I think it works in that sense uh, during Shavasana for sure, yeah. Fantastic. And I love your idea, just sing to them, right? And even if they're muted, like kids will sing along. Right. Yeah. If you're doing row, row, row your boat, like some kids will sing along and they're at home and it's just, you know, you in a solo. <laughs> I feel a little awkward. Yeah. It's okay. And actually, even when you're asking questions, I mean, you've seen that, especially with the younger ones with pre-recorded videos, you ask a question and they respond, even though it's, they kind of know that you can't, they can't, you can't hear them, but um, yeah, it, but they still are getting their ideas out. And that is what is important to them, yeah. Fantastic. All right, do you have any last advice for this lovely online teaching world that we're in? Um, I think, you know, we just have to embrace it. We have to embrace it. And, and as I said before, change your perspective and see it as you are. This is an amazing tool. Thank goodness this is, you know, that COVID is, of these times where we are so um, technologically advanced um, mm-hmm. versus, you know, 10 years ago when we just wouldn't have had this opportunity. Um, so yeah, change your perspective, embrace it as much as you can. And honestly, I just think it's about experimentation. Things are changing from, you know, day to day, week to week, whether it be guidelines or technology updates or, um, you know, with the kids anyway, everything is always changing. So just go with it as much as you can and leave behind any sense of perfection. I know that's very hard for some perfectionists and some Virgos, but uh, just, it's all about, it's all about the children. It's all about the children. Nobody cares if they, if half your head's cut off or <laughs> if, you know, the music is not perfect. It's, it's just coming back to the fundamentals of why are you teaching children's yoga? What do you want them to gain out of it? And how can you support them? I love that. So really it comes down to, you know, your, your heartfelt desire of why do you do what you do? And then 
figuring out the pieces that are going to best support you to do that and and use the I love use use the technology leverage it there's lots of really cool stuff out there right now and uh, thank you so much thank you it has been a delight chatting with you I I love having these uh these interviews from uh from across the globe, as it were. And like you say, it's so amazing that we do have the technology now that we can do this. And um, just to lean into that and, and you'll find your way, trust that. And, and I think we're also so very fortunate that we have um, this global community and that we have people like yourself, Donna, who are going out there and finding leaders and experts in this who have tried it and 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 you, you know you're bringing that to us um, and we have you know these Facebook communities that we can go in and seek advice and you know don't be afraid to use it in fact use it all right one last little tip I'll give to our listeners is the last uh, podcast that episode that I published was about legal advice and in that, uh, we discuss online teaching and some of the, the things that you need to consider um, for waivers and disclaimers and that type of stuff. So if you have not listened to that and you are teaching online, go have a listen. There are specific legal concerns and waivers and disclaimers that you need to be aware of and implementing in your um, kids yoga professional portfolio. So Thank you very much, Laura, for joining us today, for sharing your wealth of experience and expertise. And um, where can people find more from you? Um, I think a great way to connect with me um, is social media. Uh, so my Instagram or Facebook, definitely. I'm very active there. And I would say my YouTube channel. I have a lot of, um, I have a, actually have a series of videos on teaching online from the logistics to games that work well um, and business teaching, business teaching, business tips for, <laughs> for kids yoga teachers. So my YouTube channel, you can just have a look at Divine Light Yoga. Um, and my Instagram is oh, such a difficult one. Divine underscore light underscore yoga. <laughs> Thank you. Fabulous. Thanks everybody for listening. I appreciate all of your comments, your reviews and your likes and shares. That's the way that, um, you know, this stuff works. And it is such a delight for me when, when you guys push those little buttons and, and give us some feedback. So if you have other ideas that we did not discuss here for online kids yoga and you want to send those to me, you can always find me at Donna at yogurtinmyschool.com. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Laura. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Namaste, you guys. <laughs>